16, as we continue on our series on connecting with God, this morning we will be looking at the Holy Spirit's role in our connection. And we join Paul on a missionary journey, beginning in verse 6. Hear now the word of the Lord. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, Come, come over to Macedonia and please help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. My wife asked me on our honeymoon about five weeks ago to stand up in front of y'all and gently stroke my chin to show off my wedding ring and remind y'all that we're married. Uh, We are five weeks in and everything is very new, but I'm learning one small lesson at a time. And um, I think the lesson for this month and probably every month after, based on wisdom I get, Um, from y'all is that if I do what my wife asks me to do, things will go a lot smoother. Um, But uh, a quick update on that. Uh, As many of y'all have asked, we went to, um, we were married at her church, Christ Church. She's a very active member at Christ Church. She was the youngest uh, person ever elected to their vestry, which would be like our executive committee or board of stewards. Um, She is... Uh, serves extensively with the youth over there, and um, everyone wonders uh, when she's coming to our church, and I gently and politely tell them whenever she wants to. Um, But uh, thanks to many of y'all and others, I've learned to keep my mouth shut and um, keep a smile on my face, and uh, we laughed a couple weeks ago. I I'll tend to like comedy and watch different comedians, and there's a generation of comedians that will make jokes uh, about their wives telling them what to do, and their response is, yes, dear. And then everyone in the crowd laughs, and I laugh too. I thought, oh, that's funny. And I am a little bitter because I'm discovering that that is actually not a joke. That 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 is reality. Um, and... Uh, Many of you have given me that advice, um, these two key words for a successful and happy marriage. Um, yes, dear, or the other one I like is, if mom's not happy, nobody's happy. Um, uh, the happy wife, happy, happy life. Um, so that's kind of where we are. Uh, many of y'all have asked about our honeymoon. It was wonderful. We went to Hawaii. We went to Honolulu and then Maui. Um, we had, neither of us had been. Um, for those of y'all that have it, everyone says it is paradise. It is actually paradise. Even um, the parts that, of Hawaii that are not maintained actually look very beautiful. So um, we thank you uh, for your encouragement, for your support, for your prayers <laughs> for me, um, but, but also for asking about it. We feel very loved and supported by that. Um, for those of y'all that have not met her, she usually comes to the 11 o'clock service because she reads at our early services um, so on days that I'm preaching, like today, if you hang around for the 11 o'clock, you can usually see her 
um, by the west exit. So uh, enough about me. Uh, back to the scriptures. Actually, um, this morning's scripture I, I thought tied in very well with the situation uh, that Tina and I face. Um, because uh, for those of you all that are married will identify with this. The first uh, few weeks of marriage, everything is just brand new. Um, I am the middle of three boys, so I've never had a sister or a female roommate. Um, so my learning curve is very steep. And I'm also learning I'm not necessarily the most clear communicator, as I once thought. Um, I'll say something, and she'll do something else. Or I'll uh, think one thing, and she'll think the other thing. Or I'll make a gesture that used to work with old roommates, and it doesn't work with her. So um, we've had some nights of comical communications. I would say comical miscommunications. Um, there's been some tears, there's been some disagreements, um, but everyone encourages us that this is a learning curve and an all normal part of the process. But as I reflected on this uh, new situation I'm in the midst of, I thought of other roommates that I had had. Um, being the middle of three boys, I grew up very close uh, with my younger brother and we spent a great deal of time together. He would even be uh, in a friend group of mine. And I quickly realized um, this past month that he and I probably communicate better than my wife and I do. And so as I was getting ready for this sermon uh, this week, I was reflecting on why that is. And Mike and I have a lot of common in common. We have a lot of common interests, but in some ways we're very different. Um, But I started to reflect on the 33 years that we have spent together and um, probably about 20 of those have been in close living quarters. And so it's hard to compare with my new bride who I've only lived with uh, for a month. So I started to think about that, about why that is. We'd often go to dinner as a family, and my dad would watch in awe and wonder and somewhat disgust about the common vernacular that my brothers and I had. Uh, Shorthand comments, references to movie lines, Nicknames, common experiences. We could bounce back and forth uh, with many inside jokes and stories that my dad could not keep up with. And he joked about how it was like watching people speak a different language. But I noticed as we were around our friends, uh, this was a common vernacular for them as well. And my younger brother lamented when I went off to college because he'd turn uh, to his new buddies and make some reference to a Seinfeld episode or some movie we had recently seen, and they wouldn't understand what he was talking about, and they'd look at him like he was crazy. Then when he joined me at Wake Forest, he would make the same kind of comments and jokes, and my friends and I would laugh and nod and know exactly what he was talking about. But like I said, this was from about 32 years of experience of 20 years of living together and all this connection and common language. But it's not just in isolation to my brother. I noticed a couple weeks ago I had been with a group from the church that I pray with, and they had been giving me some encouragement through prayer and some wisdom and advice. And that evening on a walk with Tina, she brought up the same thing, unprovoked, Unannounced, without me sharing what I'd been talking to my prayer group about in the same language. Now, as an attorney and a son of an attorney, I watched that kind of specific language and it stuck out to me. 
And I kept an eye on that kind of thing. And there's been a couple times where there's been specific encouragement she's given me. And as I stepped into it and followed it through, doors really opened wide and things started to go very well. And I thought, wow, we don't necessarily have the depth and the length of relationship that my brother and I do, but clearly God is using her to speak to me. And wouldn't it be that way that God would present to us our closest community, our very own spouse, to speak to us? I went back and looked in the scriptures. In Genesis chapter 2, you'll remember in the creation story when God makes Adam. And he goes through creation in the different days. And at the end of each day, God stops and reviews his work. And he looks at the different things he's done and he declares that it is good. And the first time it is not this way is when he looks at Adam and Adam is alone. And God said, it is not good for man to be alone, so I will give him a helper. I started to think of that when Jesus says, I will send you a helper later in John, as he's preparing his disciples to leave them to go to the cross. He says, I will send you the helper, the counselor, and he will do different things. Jesus explains to us, he will guide us into all truth. He will remind us of everything he has said to us. I did... A Greek and Hebrew word study, which is kind of complicated, and I'll save you the details. But the word in Hebrew that God is using to say to Adam, I will send you a helper, is an etzer. Which is not the same word that is used by Jesus to talk to his disciples, I am sending you the helper, Holy Spirit. But it's a similar context. The word etzer is reserved for times of help from God himself. Now, ladies, I know where you're going. You're probably getting there before your men are. Oh, my gosh, I am the conduit through which God speaks to the world, especially my husband. And now the preacher has empowered me to give him feedback on all matters. Before you rush out and do that, let me remind you of some of the outlines we used this summer when we talked about the ways that God speaks to us. He doesn't contradict his scripture We can always test it with the word of God, with the character and nature of God as revealed in the scriptures. Does this fit with what he usually says, how he acts? The character and nature of God is revealed to us in our lives. As I like to say, can I picture Jesus showing up and saying this to me? And then finally, trusted Christian community. That's kind of a broad outline that we like to give for discerning and testing whether this is from God or not. And you'll remember this summer we went even further and we looked at different scriptures that talk about this threefold requirement. Is it encouraging? Is it edifying? And does it draw the person nearer to God? As my wife says, I don't like to feel like I'm nagging you. But fortunately at 11 o'clock she'll get to hear this sermon. So maybe she'll start using this sevenfold requirement for laying out kind of how she's to direct me, or maybe we can even change it to encourage me. But God guides us and directs us in many different ways. Nudges, strong urges, strong feelings, maybe the still small voice when we think of Elijah. Many of the people that we help to learn to hear the voice of God and discern that, we often think it sounds like our own voice. Oh, these are just my thoughts I'm coming up with. Time and time again, I have to encourage our people that a lot of times God is more involved in us than we might realize. 
There's a reality that God is with us, that he's speaking to us, and he's guiding and directing us. I love the scripture where Jesus says, For man cannot survive on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Present tense comes. And of course, he's quoting scripture there. But this reality that God is constantly with us and is speaking to us and is communicating with us and is desiring to lead and guide us. It is core to the heart of who God is. And the Holy Spirit plays a vital role in this connection. This reality of this guiding and directing us. Of leading us where we will go. But this guiding and directing is not an exact science. We see this in the scriptures this morning. Paul and his team seems to be at best wandering throughout the region, trying to get into Asia constantly, time and time again. And they're constantly reminded and blocked, no, this is not the opportunity. And many of us can know in our lives there's times where God says, no, that is not the way to go. Or even just circumstantially, no, we tried and tried and tried. And there was no opportunity. For many of y'all that were there when we moved from Broadway, this was the description in hindsight that we got as we prepared and tried time after time and opportunity after opportunity, different ways to approach how God was leading us to grow and develop and to be faithful to the call that we knew he had given us and to be faithful to do it in that place. But time and time again, we were blocked. We moved across the street for parking. We tried to work with the bank next door. We tried to work with the neighbors. None of these opportunities worked, but we pressed in and we pressed on. And in that process, we prepared the people. God prepared us. We raised funds. And then when it came time to move, we were prepared. God had brought us through this process. We see a similar reality with Paul and his team. They try and try and try. And then finally, one night in a dream... Paul has a vision and he sees the man from Macedonia. Come, come to us. And it says, then we discern this was God's call to go and preach the word of God to these people. You see, they were out on the journey. They were trying to be faithful to the call. They were living out as best as they knew how on the way, on the journey. They were out there. They, as David says, faith is faith in action. It is not a mental ascent. It is something we live with our hands and our feet. And Paul and his team are seeking to live that out in action. Peter Story, one of our guest preachers from this summer, is a sailor. And he loves to use the analogy of how when God is calling us to something, we need to be moving. He uses the sailing analogy. We need to not be found docked in the harbor. We need to not be found anchored out in the sea. We need to be out on the water with our sails open where the wind can blow us where it will. We all know from science class it's very hard to move an immovable object. Something that is at rest tends to stay at rest. God calls us to be on the move. And as we are on the move, God speaks to us and guides us. I also noticed in our scripture this morning, it is not... An exact science, it's a wandering. It's not something about getting this right and plotting out all the steps and hitting the right places. It is a dynamic relationship. 
much like learning to communicate with your new spouse. You don't know necessarily where the other one is going or how this will work, but you're stepping out and doing it together. I notice if I step out trying to get this right with God initially and not approaching it, as David says, where I am beginning from my belovedness, from my acceptance that the goal is not to be right or make myself right, that the goal is to be with God and following him. And he takes care of making us right. It is a response, as Donna said, to an invitation that God has already begun to work in our lives for us to call, come and follow him in this dynamic journey. And the Holy Spirit plays a vital role in this leading, in this guiding, in this connection. God says to us, I will send you my son to live amongst you. As Eugene Peterson says, then God came and moved into the neighborhood and dwelt among us. This incarnational reality of God being with us. But God said, that is not enough. And Jesus says, I must go so that I may send you the Holy Spirit. And he will guide you into all truth. He will encourage you and lift you up. He will fill you with grace and love and comfort and power. Jesus tells his disciples before they leave. Remain here in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high through the Holy Spirit. My very spirit that will live and dwell within you. Friends, it is the spirit of God that convicts us of how we have gone astray. That confirms us that we are God's beloved children. That guides us into all truth. That encourages and lifts us up. The goal is not for us to get it right. Or get the answer and be guided. The goal is the connection itself. And the fruit of that connection is the guiding. Through God's Holy Spirit, we are constantly connected from him. And so this morning as we close, I'm going to ask us all to bow our heads and pray. The Holy Spirit, like God, is always with us. He's always in and amongst us. But it's something that scripture calls us and encourages us to welcome. To welcome God into this place. So please please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we bless you that you are here. But as Donna said, you have gone before us and prepared a way for us. That through your son, you have forgiven us. And through your spirit, you dwell within us. So Holy Father... Fill us afresh in and now with your spirit. Fill us in the dark and hurt places of our lives. Lord, connect us in a new and deeper way that we may know you, that we may experience your presence, that we may hear your voice, and that out of the fruit of our intimate connection with you, we may follow your lead and be connected and guided. But Lord, never let us mistake your connection with your guidance. Let us always seek you as the gift, Lord. We thank you for your presence in our lives through all things, and especially your Holy Spirit. And we pray, thanking you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.